This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. You're listening to The Jeff Fisher Show. The experiment was a success. Begin Life Force Reboot Program now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is The Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to it. Welcome to the broadcast on the Blaze Radio Network. 888-900-3393 is the phone number if you wish to participate. You know, so much to get to. I, I mean, there's every every weekend we sit down and we kind of want to take a breath and just kind of relax, yet news doesn't stop. And as you know, you know, we, on this broadcast, I mean, I can't help but talk about the big stories, but, you know, they're covered in depth throughout the week on other shows here on the network. So, I mean, I try to get to some of the information and stories that, you know, you may not have gotten to or heard about during the week. But, there are some things that, you know, you can't avoid. I mean, we're still in the horrors of the presidential election campaign. I mean, I do hope and pray what's coming is better than what it is, but that's probably just a little bit too wishful. And then almost a week ago, we had terror in Orlando. Yeah, yeah, uh, the American-born man who pledged allegiance to ISIS. He gunned down 49 people at the nightclub in Orlando. Everyone calls it the deadliest mass shooting in the United States and the nation's worst terror attack since 9-11. I know, I know, the Wounded Knee Massacre, I got it. But it is the deadliest mass shooting in, let's say, modern-day history. And in a brief rundown, Mateen, uh, Omar Mateen, called 9-11 during the attack to pledge allegiance to ISIS, mentioned the Boston Marathon bombers, which he was sympathetic to a few years ago, when a year ago when it happened. That's why the FBI questioned him about it. That's why the FBI came and talked to him. Mateen's ex-wife said, eh, she thinks he's mentally ill. Uh-huh. Uh, We'll see how she was involved in all of this when that comes to fruition. It was an act of hate. According to our president, there's been no claim of responsibility for the attack on jihadi forums. But ISIS sympathizers have reacted by praising the attack on pro-Islamic state forums. We know enough to say this was an act of terror, an act of hate. 
Thank you, President Obama. And what he, how he gets away with that is that you know, a message posted on the Arabic dark website that's associated with ISIS, uh, the armed attack that targeted a gay nightclub in the city of Orlando in the American state of Florida and bore more than 100 killed and wounded was carried out by an Islamic State fighter. But they claim that, that you know, he's not part of ISIS. They're just saying, hey, he was an ISIS fighter. Uh-huh. So he just pledged allegiance, but it doesn't count. CARE National Communications Director, this is a hate crime, plain and simple. Now we heard what it was like inside the club. I mean, it's a horrific thought to think about being inside a, a, a bar, a restaurant, any nightclub and have something like this happen. And we heard what it was like inside the club from one victim, uh, Tony Sanchez, who was shot four times. Uh, we heard what it was like inside the nightclub from him earlier in the week on the Glenn Beck program just before he was going into surgery and how he laid there with his head underneath the sofa trying not to get shot and then getting shot, and then crawling over dead bodies to get out. Eleven Orlando police officers and three sheriff's deputies who exchanged gunfire with the suspect will be temporarily relieved of duty pending an investigation. One officer suffered an eye injury when the bullet struck his Kevlar helmet. The helmet saved the officer's life. Also on Sunday, authorities in West Hollywood, California, arrested 20-year-old James Wesley Howell. They found an arsenal in his car, three assault rifles, high-capacity magazines, ammunition, and a five-gallon bucket with chemicals that could be used to create an explosive device. Police got a call about a prowler. They found him. He told authorities, hey, I'm just looking for a friend to attend the L.A. Pride Festival. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, uh, oh, okay. DHS issued a National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin. National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin. In December, we described a new phase in the global threat environment, which has implications on the homeland. The basic assessment has not changed. In this environment, we are particularly concerned about homegrown violent extremists who would strike with little or no notice. The tragic events of Orlando several days ago reinforced this. Accordingly, increased public vigilance and awareness continue to be the utmost importance. This bulletin has a five-month duration and will expire just before the holiday season. We will reassess the threats of terrorism at that time. Now, this, of course, was a bulletin. Don't forget the types of advisory that DHS has. They have the bulletin, which describes current developments or general trends regarding threats of terrorism. They have the elevated alert, warns of a credible terrorism threat against the United States. They have eminent alert, warns of credible, specific, and impending terrorism threat against the United States. I would say we are almost under all of those right now, all the time. And they tell you how you can help. Be prepared. Stay informed. You see something, say something. Report suspicious activity. Uh Uh-huh. Or you can go with your gut. 
And maybe, I don't know, arm yourselves. Smith & Wesson, gun sales, 22% up. Adventure Outdoors owner Jay Wallace told Fox Business Network, Stuart Varney, AR-15s and other firearms really kicked up. He claims he sold more than 15 AR-15s per hour. He believes people are afraid that the government is going to take guns away. And there are folks that are in fear because of the times that we're living in today. Those are the two big reasons people are buying guns. Then, of course, you have CNN telling us it's easier to get a gun than to get a puppy. I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing either way. Of course, they're trying to say that, you know, it's a bad thing. But it's easier to get a gun than a divorce, a passport, a pet, a driver's license, cold medicine. I would say that all of those are kind of ridiculous. I mean, that's just proof of agonizing regulations. But then as he starts his article, Doug Chris from CNN Uh, The way our laws are written, guns are easy to get in this land of the free. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, those laws that are written, you mean like, I don't know, the Constitution? And there's this poll that kind of proves we're almost doomed. And I still use the word almost because I'm, you know, I'm still hoping and praying that we're not doomed. But I know it's pretty wishful thinking. The poll... Gallup poll, do you view the incident in Orlando over the weekend as more Islamic terrorism, domestic gun violence? Now, think to yourself how you would answer that question. Right now, this morning, or whenever you're listening to this broadcast, how would you answer that? Do you view the incident in Orlando over the weekend as Islamic terrorism, domestic gun violence. Adults, 48% Islamic gun terrorism, 41% domestic gun violence. Republicans, 79% Islamic terrorism, 16% gun violence. Independents, 44% Islamic terrorism, 42% domestic gun violence. Do you view the incident in Orlando over the weekend as Islamic terrorism or gun violence? Democrats, 29% Islamic terrorism, 60, 60 60% believe it to be domestic gun violence. Did I mention that we're probably doomed We're probably doomed. And then we have Attorney General Loretta Lynch and, of of course, our President Barack Obama. But she overruled FBI Director James B. Comey this week, saying that the Obama administration does support, does support denying firearm sales to those on terrorist watch lists and that it can be done without harming investigations. Mr. Comey last year told Congress that denying sales could blow his agents' investigations into potential terrorists. But his superiors at the Justice Department issued a statement Thursday saying they want to see Congress approve the no-fly, no-buy 
that the plan that the Democrats are planning to pursue. Now, notice that uh, the FBI director isn't against the no fly, no buy. So to say that he, you know, got overruled or is up against the Obama administration and going against the Obama administration really isn't true. What it is, is he just doesn't want to hurt his investigations, his ongoing investigations. But hey, that no fly, no buy thing, I'm I'm good with that. Just make sure you check with me so that maybe if we have an ongoing investigation against somebody, we won't put them on the list to alert them. So this whole side story of the FBI director going up against uh, the president and the attorney general is bullcrap. He just doesn't want to hurt his investigation, but he's all for it. He's all for that whole, hey, we'll just put you on a watch list. Don't you worry about it. Everything is fine. Okay, we're just going to put you on a watch list. Now, there are some that have said, you know, why don't they just put everybody on the watch list and then that'll be fine. Then nobody can have guns. Uh Uh-huh. Good luck with that. Now, it's funny that our constitutional expert, President Barack Obama, and our Department of Justice Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, who I assume knows the Constitution, I know they don't care about it, but I assume they know it. It brings back why, at this point, why we love Trey Growdy questioning people. Now, a year ago, uh, when the Democrats were using uh, a terrorist attack to advance their, you know, go after the Second Amendment, they were doing the same thing they're doing now. And that is, hey, uh, we'll put you on a watch list and then that's fine. You don't have, you can't get a weapon. This has been going on over a year and probably longer than that, but really over a year where they're trying to take that constitutional right away. Now, a year ago, the Homeland Security Deputy Assistant Secretary Office of Policies, Kellyanne Baresi, was being questioned by Congress and by Trey Gowdy. And it's a fascinating, fascinating talk. Because Trey, which is why we love Trey Gowdy uh, for this reason when he's has his committees and he's questioning these people because he oh my gosh, is an attorney, Uh, oh my gosh, is a prosecutor, and oh my gosh, loves putting people into a corner like this. He also uh, believes in the Constitution of the United States of America. And I want you to hear this. I know it's from a year ago, but it's exactly what's happening now. And this is what we need to fight for. And Trey Gowdy is a good reminder of it. Let me ask you another question about the terrorism list. What process is afforded a U.S. citizen, not someone who's overstayed a visa, not someone who crossed the border without permission, but an American citizen, what process is currently afforded an American citizen before they go on that list? Um, hmm. I'm sorry. Um, 
there's not a process afforded the citizen prior to getting on the list. There is a process should someone feel they are unduly placed on the yes, list. Yes, there is. Yes, and when I say is. process, I'm actually using half of the term due process, which is a phrase we find in the Constitution, that you cannot deprive people of certain things without due process. So I understand Mr. Good's idea, which is wait until your right has been taken from you, and then you can petition the government to get it back. I understand that that's his idea. My question is, can you name another constitutional right that we have that is chilled until you find out it's chilled, and then you have to petition the government to get it back? Hmm. Is is that true with the First Amendment? Can we do that? The First Amendment. Mm, Sir, there are strict criteria before... That's not my question, ma'am. That is not my question. My question is, what process is afforded a United States citizen before that person's constitutional right is infringed, then he's fine with doing it with the Second Amendment. My question is, how about the first? How about we not let them set up a, a, a website or, or a Google account? Hmm. How about we not let them join the church until, until they can petition government to get off the list? Hmm. How about not get a lawyer? How, hmm. how about the Sixth Amendment? How about you can't get a lawyer? Until you petition the government to get off the list. Or my favorite, how about the Eighth Amendment? We're going to subject you to cruel and unusual punishment until you petition the government to get off the list. Is there another constitutional (laughs) right that we treat the same way for American citizens that we do the Second Amendment? Can you think of one? Hmm. Can you think of one? I I don't have an answer for you, sir. No, of course you do. You do not have an answer. You know why? Because there isn't one. 888-900-3393 is the phone number if you wish to participate. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to it. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. The Jeff Fisher Show returns on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to it. And we'll stick, uh, we'll stick to Orlando. Another horrific story out of Orlando this past week where the young boy from Nebraska was taken into the water from the gator. And uh, the family is obviously horrified. The mom and dad couldn't save him. Um, having lived in Florida for a long time, I know how dangerous gators are. And I've, I told you, my, one of my favorite places in the world is, is, is Gatorland. But gators are not, uh, are not real friendly animals. And when the sign says no swimming, uh, it means don't get in the water. And the gator didn't 
Fortunately, uh, you know, the gator didn't eat the child. The gator dragged the child into the water and put it down on the end of the water and the, do what they do, take it to the bottom. And then the gator realized, oh boy, uh, that's, not, uh, that's not the animal I thought it was. Uh, that's uh, something I probably shouldn't have done. And so we're okay with killing all the gators. Huh, we're okay with killing all the gators. Okay, with killing all the gators. Hey, so much more to get to. Very sad. I mean, I could not imagine having to fend off a gator for my kids, but I sure as heck would. And how horrible it would be that you couldn't do anything. Oh, my gosh. Just unbelievable horror. The Confessions of Congressman X. Are we going to find out who he is next? This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to it. Voters are incredibly ignorant. I had high hopes when I was first elected to Congress. My main job is to keep my job. Facts, smacks. I'll say anything to get elected. So much of what I do is a farce. Uh, BS, raised to an art form. Does money corrupt? Of course it does. We're not obsessed with the truth in Washington. Harry reads a pompous ass. I think we will all agree on that. I feel disconnected from reality. I'm a closet moderate. We're terrible custodians of the people's money. The news media is as biased as the politicians it covers. I'm not hopeful about the future. Of course, we've become conditioned from shows like House of Cards, Scandal, even a little bit from Madam Secretary, uh, how Washington, D.C. works. And it ain't good. It ain't good at all. Now, we had scheduled to talk to Robert Atkinson, former chief of staff and press secretary for two congressional Democrats, took notes on a series of these informal talks with Congressman X, and now published them. We told you, I don't know, about a month ago that it was coming out, and it is now out. Uh, you can buy it uh, on Amazon as the book, or you can just download it you know, with the free Kindle app for three bucks. And it's a fascinating quick read. Uh, it almost reads as if if you watch um, House of Cards on Netflix – there are times when uh, President Underwood, Frank Underwood, uh, just in the middle of whatever is going on, will just look at the camera and talk to you, which is a really cool thing to do. It made set House of Cards apart. Uh, and he just brings you into whatever's going around. He'll tell you what's going on in his head, and then you're right back into what's happening live in the show. And a lot of what this Congressman X uh, has to say is 
like those. You know, like those. Um, some of my favorites, uh, as I was plowing through this book last night, uh, it's fast read. Um, a key part of my job is helping constituents cut through red tape and secure government benefits. They feel that they're due to them. Some try to game the system. I don't care. When they come to talk to me and ask for such favors, I feel like the godfather. Payback comes on election day when their gratitude translates into votes. Then we have just because something's technically legal doesn't mean it's morally right. Perceptions count. Which is no, which is why no one trusts us to do the right thing anymore. Wow, that's one of my favorite quotes from from this book. He goes on to tell us, "I've come to the conclusion the whole Washington scene represents a di- dis- diminishment of civilization. Our country is in a free fall to mediocrity, and Congress is leading the way." Confessions of Congressman X. Wow. And, of course, I'll have to read the Harry Reid as a pompous ass because, I mean, that's just Harry Reid is a pompous ass, sometimes a bit too clever for his own good. The same goes for a McConnell and his pathetic lieutenants. Ditto for most of the House leadership bullies on both sides of the aisle. They wield too much dictatorial power, manipulating legislative procedures, and denying members due process. Ha! Boy, and we've heard um, during this campaign, uh, I have been uh, privy to uh, conversations that I cannot repeat to you, but I will tell you that this is a perfect highlight of these dingleberries, especially Mitch McConnell and Harry Reid and how they act and wield their so-called power in Washington. It is agonizing, agonizing. So as I go on here, I'm just telling you that I'm going through this because I really wanted to talk to Robert Atkinson, uh, the editor of this, and find out really what, you know, his, his total impressions were how many times he took, the years that it took, because so much of this information in here is really, I don't know, depressing. <laughs> Very depressing. But when you go on to, let's see, where was I at here? Hey, this one right here. The more laws we pass and fail to follow through on, the more common sense we seem to suck out of life. (laughs) No kidding. I understand the lack of trust and resentment voters have in Congress. I understand the lack of trust and resentment voters have in Congress's ability to do its job. But let's face it. There's no real incentive for us to change. 
creative gerrymandering and the polarized electorate's propensity to vote for the party line pretty much guarantees the re-election of incumbents. And he goes on to what would uh, what would fix it. And it's some of the things that we talk about, uh, have talked about for a long time. Uh, it's, all, it's not quite the uh, fishbowl mentality of the government, but his plan to make it work, they should agree to support independent, nonpartisan commissions to redraw con- congressional districts every 10 years. They should agree to significant campaign finance reform without loopholes, without loopholes, severely cap political contributions from individuals and PACs, and mandate full disclosure of all donors. Lobbyists should be prohibited from raising money for those they lobby. Compulsory, publicly financed primary and general election campaigns should also be on the table. It's time to show the American people Congress is not for sale. <laughs> now, this is his plan to fix, so I can't laugh at that because that would actually mean that it's not, and meaning that... Uh, you and I both know that it is now. They should agree to overhaul obstruction and legislative procedures, bring about a return to regular order in the House, especially when it comes to the budget process. Enough with the uncertainty caused by continuing resolutions. It's time to pass spending bills on time each year. They should agree to limit the power of party leaders and abolish the seniority system. Why should the Speaker dole out committee assignments, and why should someone chair the same committee forever? It's time to rotate committee chairs every so many years. The ban leadership packs and fundraising quotas for committee chairs. And he goes on. Then he ends it with, I could go on. But you know what? It's all a damn pipe dream. Don't you see? Congress echoes the excessive partisanship of voters. Everyone has such a loathing for the other party that meaningful change has no hope of evolving. Besides, you're lucky to get 20% of the electoral voting in primary elections. I fear those who govern and those who are governed will continue to watch out for their own self-interest. God help us. The Confessions of Congressman X. One of the main reasons I was really hoping to talk to Robert Atkinson, who uh, was editor of this book, um, I wanted to uh, have him uh, tell us uh, who Congressman X was. He had said in the foreword, and he's said in uh, other written interviews that I've seen, that he would not do that. <laughs> That's not with you and me here on the Blaze Radio Network. And I think the reason that he didn't show up, <laughs> he was scared. And knew that I would make him spill the beans. So who is Congressman X? We may never know. Unless he comes on the air. <laughs> then we'll know who really is Congressman X. Here we go. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Uh, Jeff Fisher live on Saturdays. All new lineup here on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, 9 to noon is this show. And then uh, Chris Salcedo, Mike Slater, Joe Paggs, all live all Saturday right here on the Blaze Radio Network. And of course... Uh, prior to this broadcast now, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on the Blaze Radio Network is Michael Pelga. Now, I didn't listen to too much or anything of Michael Pelka this morning. I don't know what he gave away. Uh, you know, I, I understand that he had the possibility of the new grill, the Puro Pelka grill tongs to flip your hot dogs with, but I'm not sure if he gave those away or not. So I, I, just, I just don't know. I'll have to go back and listen to the podcast at the plays.com slash radio. This week, Brett Baer uh, talked to the Dalai Lama. Uh, And sometimes you got to love interviews. Now, remember the movie Caddyshack and the scene with Bill Murray uh, talking about caddying for the Dalai. So I jumped ship in Hong Kong. And I make my way over to Tibet. And I get on as a looper at a course over there in Himalayas. A looper? A looper. You know, a caddy, a looper. Jack. So I tell him I'm a pro jack. And who do you think they give me? The Dalai Lama himself. The 12th son of the Lama. The flowing robes, the grace, bald. Striking. So I'm on a first tee with him. I give him the driver. He hauls off and whacks one. Big hitter. The Lama. Into a 10,000-foot crevice right at the base of this glacier. Do you know what the Lama says? No. Gunga Galunga. Gunga Gunga Galunga. So we finish 18, and he's going to stiff me. And I say, hey, Lama, hey, how about a little something, you know. Pretty effort. Pretty effort, you know. And he says, oh, uh. There won't be any money. But when you die on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness. <laughs> so I got that going for me, which is nice. So, so I got that going for me, which is, uh, which is nice. So Brett Bear on Fox News interviews the Lama. The Dalai Lama himself. And, you know, of course, what do you, you interview the Lama about, uh, you know, the world and his views and what's happening. And then, you know, we joked around uh, when Glenn met with the Dalai Lama. We joked on air about talking to him about uh, the Caddyshack scene. And, of course, uh, I don't want to say Glenn uh, wussed out, but he wussed out. But Brett Bear did not wuss out. Last thing, have you ever seen the movie Caddyshack? What? Caddyshack, the movie. The Lama's like, you don't I know don't, the movie? I don't know. The, the part about the Dalai Lama? Have you ever played golf? No. You're not a big hitter? No, uh, that, that Batman. But not golf? No. There's a classic movie called Caddyshack huh. where they talk about the Dalai Lama. Yeah, I see. Idea. I had to ask you about it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> Thank you very much for the Thank you. Very appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I had to ask him. Big hitter, the llama. 
he has. I'll tweet out the Brett Bear link because the llama has absolutely no idea what Brett is talking about. It is great because he looks at Brett like, what are you talking about? I have no, you never play good. No, no, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Big hitter, the llama. All right, we've got so much more to get to on the Blaze Radio Network. 888-900-3393 is the phone number if you want to participate. One of the good news uh, stories of uh, the past couple of weeks, uh, the FDA has approved candy-flavored amphetamines for kids, something that you can uh, look forward to for your children. Uh, the new uh, the new drug called Adzenes, a chewable, fute-flavored drug designed with the same active ingredient as other popular ADHD medications, such as Adderall. It was approved earlier this year by the FDA for patients as young as six years old. Yay! Yay! And it's made where? Dallas, Texas. Yes and hey. It's a good thing. Doctors are saying, hey, we're encouraged by the initial feedback from physicians during the pre-launch. We're confident there's a strong desire and part of physicians and caregivers to make this treatment of the children. Yay! So don't worry about it. If your child is prescribed gummy speed, you got it. Don't worry about it. Yay! Gummy speed. Gummy speed. I need it. It's prescribed for me, okay? This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. was a success. Begin Life Force Reboot Program now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Ah, yes, it is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride today. Nice to have you along. Good to see you. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Coming up immediately after this broadcast at noon, Chris Salcedo and then Mike Slater, Joe Pags, all live all Saturday right here on the Blaze Radio Network. So my family is in Florida. My wife and kids are in Florida. Uh, I've got, I'm, I'm, I flew back to Dallas uh, earlier this week because, you know, I don't know, this thing called <laughs> work. Uh, and uh, so I went, I was in down in Florida for a few days. You know, I had my granddaughter was born. She came out of the hospital. I got to see her, spend some time with her. And then, of course, you know, my oldest son and daughter-in-law, you know, wanted my wife to stay back and help a little bit as best she can and take a bunch of pictures. And, you know, the kids can stay and go to the beach and blah, 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 have fun and be back in Florida. And it was nice being back in Florida. I missed the ocean, man. I, I do miss seeing the ocean, um, driving across the water, uh, seeing it. You do forget how uh, what the humidity is like. Uh, you say you're used to it, and you are. By the way, when you get there, you 
I don't know. You never get used to it, but you're just, it's there. It's Florida. You're part of it. And then when you move away, like here in Texas, it, where we live in northern Dallas, in northern Texas, in Dallas, it's hot. And I mean, it's hot. It's already hitting, you know, it's already feels like oh, well over 100 degrees every day right now. And it's going to be cranking this summer. But the humidity is not that bad. I mean, it's bad for Texas, but it's not Florida bad. And it's not Houston bad. It's not Tampa Bay bad. It's not Florida bad. And you forget just how what it's like. I mean, it slaps you in the face every time you walk outside, man. Wham! Humidity. But it's Florida, and that's part of the deal, right? So anyway, I fly back. And I said, well, you know, i got to get back, and you guys are going to stay, so I'll just get a flight, and I'll fly in. I'll get an Uber at the airport. Take me home. We'll be fine. And so we get a flight, quick flight, cheap flight from Tampa to Dallas, direct flight, you know, coach seat. And I'm like standing in line, checking in. And I asked the guy at the early check-in gate out on the out on the curb, I'm like, how, how much it cost me to upgrade? And they upgrade to business. And he goes, I don't know. I can't do it here. It's usually about 90 bucks. And I'm thinking, okay, 90 bucks. I can do 90. I can upgrade for ninety. That still that still makes the seat not that bad for what I paid for the the coach seat direct flight back. I can upgrade. I'll give them ninety bucks. No more than that. I'm not giving them more than ninety bucks to upgrade for the bigger seat in business. So I got all the way back. I go through security and I get all the way back to airside. And by the way, I just want to go on record as saying Tampa International Airport. I love you. You're the best airport in the country. I don't care what the Raiders say. I don't care what any of them say. You're the best country in the. You're the best airport in the country. Easy in, easy out. Access to the air sides. Security was great. Easy, updated. Uh, best best airport in the country, hands down. I have not seen one and been to one as nice. That's as busy. You know, like the airport in Boise, Idaho, is nice. It's a beautiful airport, but it's not as busy as oh, I don't know, Tampa or DFW. DFW, agonizing. That, however, been said. So I get all the way up to airside. I get to the counter. And the, the stewardess who, obviously, I should have made a joke. I should have been nice. It should have been done something nicer because I could tell that she was in not that great of a mood to begin with. So I should have tried to ease the pain a little bit before I stepped into it. But I didn't. Going against my gut. Just asked the question. So, you know. Here's my here's my ticket, my boarding pass. Uh, how much to upgrade business? Oh, well, I'm sure we have one available on this flight. Oh, yes, we do. It'll be $300. And I was like, I stopped listening after I heard 300 so I'm not sure what the end was, the end result was. I think it was 390 something I'm not sure. I really don't remember. I just know that once I heard 300 I stopped listening. And I was like, <laughs> no, seriously. And she's like, no, that's the price. And I was like, yeah, no. And I just grabbed my stuff and walked away. So I get out of the plane. And there's an empty seat and business. Just all by itself. Nobody in it. Why couldn't that be mine for 90 bucks? Why couldn't have she just said, well, you know what? We're just going to upgrade you. We have one left. The flight's almost, we're almost boarding and no one's sitting there. We'll just give it to you. But no, that didn't happen. So go back. Fortunately, it was not a full flight. It was not a full flight. Uh, so once we, you know, once they closed the doors, I moved to another seat, spread out. It was nice. 
Everybody was happy. The world was cool. Everybody got to spread out. But then there's a lady about three rows up in front of me. Now, she had moved from the outside seat to the window seat. And they were came along checking and asking blah blah blah, and they're looking at everybody, making sure that everybody's on the plane. And, and I guess they, I guess some couple people missed the flight or whatever that had been that was booked what were booked on the flight. And all of a sudden, she gets up and she they walk her into business and give her the uh, give her the upgrade into the business seat. Now what the hell? Why I I asked. Jeff, maybe she asked before you. I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, I will say, she may have been better looking than me. It's it's a very pos- it's very possible that some people were. If you were to see her and me, you would say that she was much better looking than me. It's possible. I you know I can't say that I wouldn't, but I'm just saying that it's possible. And on top of it all, it was delayed three hours anyway. Right off the bat, I'm getting ready. To, I get ready. I get a message on my phone from the airline. Oh, your flight's been delayed for three hours. Don't worry about it. Uh, just come to the airport. You don't have to be to the airport at 6 a.m. Well, okay. Well, that's great. But uh, why? Well, come to find out. And my microphone keeps dropping. What the heck? Come to find out. Uh, the flight got in late. So apparently, you know, we've got to give the pilots their 10 hours rest. So we're all... You know, waiting on the pilot. Okay. So, there you have it. So, I fly back into Dallas. And it's fine. It's You know, whatever. It's fine. Uh, I can, you know, uh, while I am still overweight, I can fit in the coach seats and I don't have to have the seatbelt extender anymore. It still fits around me. It's all good. I'm okay. All right. Um. The first seat I sat in, uh, guy sits down in front of me, and I knew he was going to try to push back and be buzzing around. So I put my knees right. My knees are right up against the back of it anyway. So he tries to push it back, and that ain't happening, bro. No, you're not pushing that back any farther than where you got it right now. Okay, He's a little upset, but he was happy when I moved. So I get to Dallas. And like I said, I told you, I went flying to Dallas. Oh, and on top, oh, 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 before I even get to the Uber stories. Oh, my gosh. So about four rows up across the aisle, there's a couple. And it's a, you know, the two-seat side of the plane. So they're by themselves, a couple. There's this big guy. And he's as big as me or bigger. You know, a big guy. And he has got his shoes off, and he's turning sideways and sleeping and burying his head on his wife's shoulder or his girlfriend's shoulder or whoever the hell she is. And he's turning around. He's laying on right the right side, and then he turns around, lays on his left side, and he leans his head back. He turns around. He almost turns around to lay on his stomach with the seat as far back as he can go to put his arm underneath his head and sleep on the plane. Dude. I almost said, I, I should have said something to him because, seriously, just there's a little airplane etiquette. Okay, just a, just a little. There's not much left, but there is a little. Okay, and that ain't it. It was agonizing. Then, on top of that, speaking of lost airplane etiquette, okay, you're in coach. You don't get to use 
business first class bathrooms. Okay, that's part of the deal. I don't. I know it sounds you know snobbish, but that's part of the deal. I wasn't in first class or business or business, whatever you want to call it. So I didn't use it. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty good at not using an airplane bathroom. But it's possible that you have to, and I have before. So I get it. Now, there's a lady and her kid in the seat, the other side of the bulkhead. So she's just this side of business first class. Now, her kid has got to go to the bathroom. She stands up. And she stands there for a good minute debating. I know she knows she's not supposed to because she stood there for a good little while debating whether to go up, just walk through business and use that bathroom or walk all the way to the back. So she decides she's going to walk through first class, and she does. And she takes uses the kid as cover. So it was good cover fire. Because not very many people, you know, it's the kid, you let the kid go. And, I mean, that's what part of what's wrong with America, right? I know, I know, I know, I got it. It's okay. She takes the kid and, you know, rules are rules. But, you know, it's a little girl. She's got to use the bathroom. We'll let her use it. But then mom uses it, okay? Well, then the lady across the aisle decides she has to go. Now, she's with this lady and this other little girl. So the cover fire's already been there. And she gets up and goes. And they used it three or four times. I... Personally, I would have said something had I been up there. Uh, go to the other bathroom, okay? This is ours. We paid $800 or dollars or more for these seats. Guess what? We get to use the bathroom. And that's ours. That's what we use. That's that's for the pilot. Uh, that's for the uh, the air stewardesses, the air waitresses, and, uh, and us here in these seats. So there's just a little bit of air etiquette left, right? Mostly, it's almost all gone now. Almost all gone. Now, I have been on a flight where people have complained, and it wasn't me, that people were using, uh, coming through using that bathroom, and they put an end to it. So I was waiting for the stewardess to say, just a reminder, uh, the bathroom in the front of the plane is for our business class, but they never did. They let it fly. They let it ride. Okay, whatever. So then I get to DFW, and like I told my wife, just fly in, I'll get an Uber, take it home, be done. Well, that, my friends, is if Uber app will let you connect with Uber. It didn't. I tried for 30 minutes. I tried outside the airport. I tried inside the airport. I tried Wi-Fi. I tried Sprint. I would not connect to the Uber app. So, I'm at the airport. Okay. I'll go get a I'll go get a taxi. No problem. The taxi wants to charge me about eighty five bucks. I'm not you know, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I get a I go to the to one van driver. Oh, I'll take it to your address for seventy five. Uh yeah, no. And so I go to another share van. He's Punches it in and says, yeah, I can have a guy here. Uh, it's a shared thing. It'll be, you know, 38 bucks. I'm like, done. So as soon as I'm done talking to this guy, another van pulls up, another share van, but he's all by himself. And the, the guy that I talked to drives away. Now, he told me another van would be there in three or four minutes and, you know, to pick me up. 
Now it's a it's a shared van, so you know it could be you know ten people in the van, and you go wherever he goes, and it finally gets you home, and that's what you pay for. So this guy pulls up and he goes, "You need a ride?" And I'm like, uh, "Yeah, <laughs> hello, that's what I'm standing here for." And uh, I said, "I already told this guy, you know, he's got a guy coming to pick me up. Be here in a few minutes." What did he charge you? What did he charge you? That's what I told me. I should have told him more. That was my mistake. I should have told him he charged me like fifty bucks, but no. I said thirty-eight bucks. Thirty-eight dollars for a share ride. You'll be home in four hours. I'll take you home. What? I don't even know where it is. If he charges thirty-eight dollars, I'll take you straight home. No share ride. Straight ride. Fifty dollars. Fifty dollars. And I'm like, at this point. I've been screwing around at DFW for an hour trying to find a ride home. I'm ready. I'm almost ready to go back to the to the 80 bucks guy. Okay? So I said, look, I told I already told the guy, if he shows up in a couple of minutes, I'll do that one because I already told the guy I was going to use his van for 38. All right. Whatever. It's going to take four or five hours. And he goes off to his over to his van, smokes a cigarette. The van that I had dealt with never shows. I mean, it was five minutes. And I, I he was over there smoking a cigarette looking at me, and I was like, I get, this, this van's got about two minutes, and then I'm yours. And he's like, all right. And we stood there, no show on my van. And I'm like, all right, bro, 50 bucks. You taking me home. Straight shot. Let's go. So then, which, you know, at that point, I fifty dollars well worth it, well worth it to me. Okay, so I get into a fascinating story with this guy on the ride home about the taxi services and Uber and airports and costs of things on the ride home. That is kind of well, it's very interesting and kind of disheartening, kind of disheartening. And I will tell you that on the other side. This is The Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. So I get in the cab, uh, the van with the guy, and we're riding back. And uh, I start talking to him about what, you know, how much it costs for him to run the van. And I want to talk about his business and how he gets into the airport and all this. Now, I'm always fascinated with Uber because I'd like to know how, I know how they make money. I don't know how the drivers make money. I've dealt with a couple people who have actually been uber drivers and who have wanted to be uber drivers and the math never works out so i'm fascinated by how huge uber is all over the world and they're, they're making profits in hundreds of cities and they're losing a lot of money in china and some other cities around the world including here in the united states and the users i mean only we've got 25 percent of the people uh know about ride sharing so within that 25 percent of people 26 percent use it monthly 17 percent Daily or weekly, and fifty six percent. I'm in that less often, uh, you know, as needed. So I'm fascinated at how they make 
where where that money comes from, and it certainly doesn't go to the drivers. But so I'm talking to the driver. He pays like a thousand bucks a month for this van, and that's between you know the van to the van company and uh, you know the passes to get in and out of the airport. But he claims that since Uber came along, they don't have to have any licenses. They don't have to schedule anything. It's all part of the deal. They don't go through any background checks, nothing. When Uber first came to Dallas, they made them, they couldn't, it was a special parentheses Uber pickup at the airport. They couldn't be at the airport. They could be outside of the airport. And it was some kind of weird thing. So if they couldn't, you know, they were trying to help the cabs along. And that lasted not very long. I don't know the exact dates, but it wasn't very long until they said, screw that. And it changed everything. So this guy is saying that because of Uber, everyone is struggling to make money. And the airport security is, they don't care. I don't care. You don't need a pass. You don't, you don't need a... You don't need a, a, a an extra thing on your driver's license. You don't need a chauffeur's license. You just need to have a driver's license. You don't need to go through a background check. You don't need – everything is just you're, – you're in. You drive in, you pick somebody up, you drive away. And the van companies or the Uber companies pay the airport, whatever fees that is, but that's it. Uh, nothing extra like that. That's a little kind of disconcerting. I realize that the cabs don't go in the airport – or inside the buildings, but they get pretty close. They get pretty close to a lot of people. I'd like to think we're a little bit safer than that, but maybe we're not. Maybe we're not. But then again, they're just cab drivers. Don't worry about it. The Jeff Fisher Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Show. Do it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. All right, big weekend at the box office. Finding Dory. And yes, we found out that we had the possible uh, lesbian fish scene where the two women fish were pushing the little baby fish. We had the uh, trans uh, transgender uh, Ray, Sting Ray. So it was trans Ray, right? Or Sting Ray. Joining me. Andrew Herzog, howdy, 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 host of uh, Bonfire on uh, the Blaze Radio Network's podcast, uh, Blaze.com/slash/radio. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome, Andrew. Good to see you. Good Thanks see for you coming too. along for the ride. Now you uh, teased on your uh, uh, Facebook Live uh, the other day about going to see Finding Dory. Yes, and uh, so I mean, I'm fascinated. I, I would love to go see it, except I would it would make me feel bad seeing it without my children since they're in Florida. And you know what? I'm going to go see it. Um, that's the spirit. Uh, thank you. I like it. Uh, so you went to see it. I sure I've did. been dying to talk to you about it, and I've let it. Say, I saved it for the air. So uh, big weekend so far. They're claiming uh, you know almost ten million so far. Probably more by the by this time during on Saturday. Um, what'd you think? And I don't care about spoilers. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Spoils be damned. You don't want spoilers. <laughs> don't listen. Well, in that case, I okay. So I I really liked it. I thought it was a great sequel. 
but it doesn't live up to the first. The first, Finding Nemo, was just so great, well, so it's original. It's a classic, right? It is a classic. Right. You just can't beat it. It's like Jurassic Park. You can't do Correct. Jurassic World. It's just not going to top Although the original. they're good. I mean, they, they, they are, are good. good. All the Jurassics. I, I enjoy all the Jurassics. So that, you know, I mean, this sequel, and, and I enjoy all the uh, Toy Stories. Yes. Uh, so I, I'm with you on uh, not being as good but enjoyable. It's like half a step below Finding Nemo. Yeah. It's, it's just that good. It's almost on par. But with that being said, it was it's very Pixar. You know, something that's it's just a stupid cartoon, but it gets your emotions whoa, all riled whoa, up and whoa, you're watching whoa, it and you're having a, a good time. Cartoon. Take yes. it easy. Come on. This is animation. Animation. Cartoon. Not a cartoon. Same junk. <laughs> now, Pixar is really good at this. And, you know, they always have those little animations before the movies. Like, yeah, it was uh, great. And after the little thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. This stuff. year's, yeah. it's like this little bird called Piper, and you're watching it, and you're... <laughs> it's really funny, actually. It's hysterical, and you're having a good time, and there's no talking because they're birds, so you're able to understand... Hey, I know what's going on. I know what that bird is feeling because that's how great the animators are. It's hysterical. You're sitting there just having a good time. And then the movie starts and it's an hour 45. I think that's a it's good bad. That's, that's a, a good, good length. That's not bad. That's a good length. Keep the kids happy, nice and easy. And the parents happy. Yep. You say, "Oh, the movie's over. Okay, we can go home." Yeah, let's go. But uh Dory is still the greatest character I think Pixar has ever made. Pretty good character. Ellen, great Ellen character. DeGeneres is so talented. I mean, she's, she really is. Yeah, I mean, and the, it's the, all the other voice actors, you know, are just doing a great job. You know, making the fish look very human. You know, and I was a little humanizing. disappointed they didn't call me be one of the fish, but that's Who okay. That's another been, story. Though? I don't know. I haven't the seen the movie fish. yet. The blowfish. Um, oh, that hurts. <laughs> but there is that hurts an octopus, and he's funny. He's he just he's like, leave me alone, don't touch me. I don't want to be touched. And he's in a petting zoo kind of area, and it's hysterical. <laughs> and then he gets poked, and he squirts everywhere. It's pretty funny. So what about the? Uh, did we have the trans ray? Okay, no, I did not see that anywhere. I kept an really? eye out. No, I kept an eye out. and There was no sting uh, rail or whatever the heck it was supposed to be? No, there's the... the sting. It wasn't supposed to be Sting Ray. It was supposed to be Sting Ronda or whatever. Sting, sting Ronda. Ronda, yeah. Nope, it does not ring a bell. Now, it has, wow. that, it has that teacher from the first one that's like, oh, we're going to the right. edge. Right, 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 right. That right. dude is in it. And then you see like, hey, let's watch the Stingrays migrate back home. And you see this massive, you know group of right. stingrays and i'm like okay other than that i don't really remember any stingrays they're just the normal fish there's little crabs hermit crabs there's dory there's her parents there's finding nemo i mean i did not find right. what about the what about the lesbian couple with the kid okay now that one i was looking very closely to see okay i know the scene's coming up i know everyone's bitching about it so i want to see what's going on <laughs> and it happened in half a second and i don't think they were necessarily a lesbian couple because all all that happened was this lady that picked up the toy and agonizing. says, "Oh look, let's let's give it to the child." Oh, it's not a child! And then she turned around and like grabbed the other girl's arm and turned her around to look away from the baby octopus, and then the scene was over. <laughs> so it was either so incredibly vague that no one's going to get it, or Pixar really just wasn't going for that in the first place. Right. So you remember in the movie Frozen where they went to like this lodge and the dude owner is like, hey, there's my family in the um, whatever. Yes, the yes, yes. Peter, yes. the sauna. And you look inside and you think you see a dude with all these other kids and people were like, oh, look, it's a man and his husband. That that was pretty vague. I thought that was right, a stretch plus, already. Plus the, the joke of the, the first of all, and the joke with that is that really a lot of women – in parentheses, look like men in yeah. the mountains like that. I mean, yeah. that was the joke, right? I mean, that was the the old sure. the old hunter uh, living in the mountains with his uh, with his mad woman, his bearded wife. Yeah, yeah. So that was a stretch. 
this one is far more stretch to watch the movie and say, oh, that was a lesbian couple. No, I don't. I, there was no implication, I didn't think. It was really a stretch. Okay, so Finding Nemo, that uh, was a long time ago now, I think 2003, yep. right? And they spent under $100 million for this for Finding Nemo. On the, the budget? budget was under $100 million. Now, the budget for Dory was $200 million. $200 million. That means they're, and then they'll make it. I mean, there's the, you know, 200 million for finding Dory is like a drop in the bucket. No question. Yeah, that'll happen. Uh, yeah. I mean, but they've got to make, you know, worldwide, they'll be, it'll be a billion dollar enterprise. Um, how many, and I heard you talking the other day, the Pixar movies, how many are a billion? Made it over. Yeah. I believe only two. I'm looking at yeah, the article right now. Yeah, just a couple, now. right? Yeah. So for Business Insider, where I found it, uh, let's see. Which I found fascinating because I wouldn't mm-hmm. think that it would be more. That uh, would be more than two, but a billion dollars is a lot of money. I don't know about you know for you maybe not. Uh, All right, Toy yeah. Story three got one point one billion adjusted wow. gross. Ooh, and that was for yeah Toy Story three, and that's number two. Number one, Finding Nemo got one point twenty two billion. Wow, and they spent under a hundred million for that adjusted gross. Yes, yeah, is. Yeah, adjusted oh, wow. budget was 122 million, but unadjusted 94 million. Okay, so so yeah. Okay, so the 200 million really is for the voices. Yeah, because I mean, really they knew spending, they knew this was going to be huge. They're right. like, we have to pay them more. They're, right, there's no way. I mean, back. Ellen's not coming in for for a million. Right. Oh no. I mean, Ellen's not, not. Ellen's not picking up the phone for a million doing this movie. Not Definitely a chance. Not. Yeah. I mean, uh, God bless her for that. I wouldn't touch it either for her. So you uh, you're saying we should go see it? Uh, I'm disappointed that we don't have the. The trans ray, though. I was hoping for a sting rod. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have no idea why, but you I can keep an eye out for that. You tell me if no you see that why. because I didn't see it. <laughs> now, there was a beluga whale, and he was funny. He what? was hysterical. Ooh. You know, they have that echolocation yeah, sonar yeah, yeah, crap. Yeah. It's hysterical because he's it comes like, back. okay, I feel stupid. And he can't do it. Then at some point, it just works. And then he's like, now I can see everything. And he's using sonar. It's hysterical. That's pretty funny. It is pretty funny. Original characters, like new whales, and then this new fish. There's hermit crabs, and then Dory finds her parents, which is, you know. Does she remember them? Yeah, she does, surprisingly. And throughout the whole movie, it's all about finding your family. Never give up. And Dory's, I would say, if you really wanted to, you could say that the message of this story is, even though Dory's handicapped, she can still, you know, get things done. Handicapped? Yes, that is a handicap to be that stupid. Short-term memory loss. Everybody's mocking her for it, too, saying, Dory, that's what you do best. You're stupid. And she's like, okay, that really hurts. And then she still goes and finds her parents and does it all. You'd say, well, there you go. Good for you, girl. I don't know if you want to take it that far. Calling Dory handicapped is a stretch. I mean, that's part of the fish deal, right? The short-term memory. For her. For no long-term memory. Yes. I mean, the other fish remember things, but she doesn't. It's funny. So uh, It's a good hour and a half of just entertainment, good music, great animation, and... Just fun. I love it. You know, it's an escape. I love it. So you recommend it for everyone? Oh, yeah. I think adults. Adults will like kids will love it. Is it PG-13 or PG? I think it's rated R. What? No, it can't be rated R. PG, maybe G. I don't know. Finding Dory can't be be PG. Or can't be, uh, let's see, it's got to be at least PG, right? I would think so. I mean, it's got to be, I wouldn't be surprised maybe. No, there's no language really. No, there's not. So it's got to be just PG. Um, I'm surprised that everyone was making such a big deal over all this, uh, over the sex stuff. That's got to be just because of Ellen. I mean, you know, right. 
who Dory is, right? Um, <laughs> With her wife, yes. Yeah. I mean, so we know who Ellen is. Yeah, it's just PG. And You're people right. seeing the trailer were just speculating, like, oh, it looks like it might be a lesbian couple. Then the scene that you saw in the trailer is what is in the movie, second for second. It was that quick, and then it was over. That seemed, it just was way too quick. I said, nah, I don't think Pixar is trying to say, hey, here's a lesbian couple because we approve of that. No, I just, I don't know. And she was dressed very much like a man. Maybe it was the daughter and a mother. I don't know. You couldn't right. really tell. It was over so quickly. Right, I say, right. okay, no one's going to understand if you were trying to make a gay reference. It was that quick. <laughs> okay. All right. Did you so. see any other movies? Did you go see another one? No. I want to see The Conjuring 2 tonight, though. So scary movie time. You know, get a little balance between the kitty movie and then go watch a scary movie. I haven't made the time yet to go see that, but I mean, I, I want to. a busy schedule. You... I know. Sleeping in, grocery shopping. Going to bed early. Yeah, boy, man. I don't know how you do it. I, I don't know either. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for stopping in, Andrew. I appreciate it. Andrew Herzog, The Bonfire on theblaze.com slash radio. You can get that podcast downloaded and take him with you wherever you want to go right there. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Finding Dory. A thumbs up from Andrew Herzog. You're listening to The Jeff Fisher Show. The Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. So there you have it on uh, Finding Dory. A great review from Andrew Herzog uh, from the Bonfire Podcast on uh, theblaze.com slash radio. And no, uh, couldn't find any trans talk. So, uh, I mean, I was you know, kind of you know, looking forward to the Sting Rondo. Speaking of trans talk, though, Smith College, all women uh, who faced protest for rejecting a 2013 applicant who was born male but recently was born male but was identifying as a woman, uh, they recently agreed to accept any student, any student who claims to be female. No questions asked. Huh. What? could possibly go wrong. What could possibly go wrong? You tell me. You tell me. A couple other stories to uh, take with you. Uh, Congressman David Jolly from Florida uh, dropped his bid for the U.S. Senate and will seek re-election for his Congress seat instead. What does that mean? He's clearing the field for Marco Rubio to run again. Uh, Marco is going to decide, and he has to decide by Friday, whether he's going to run uh, because he said he wasn't going to run for re-election for his Senate seat. Now he's saying, you know, I probably could run again. You know, I could probably get so much more done for the American people if I stay in office than if I were to not stay in office. So... I'm going to run again. I'm going to run again. And David, you go ahead and get your Congress seat back. And when I decide that I'm going to run for president next time, you can have the Senate seat, okay? Sure, that's what's coming. No question. 
And a little bit on the trans side, uh, kind of the LGBT, LGBTQ, V, T, B, A uh, crowd. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks owner, Mark Cuban, uh, is going to give the Dallas Police Department a million dollars to support uh, their response to Sunday's you know, shooting in Orlando. And uh, he said, hey, um, I'm going to give you this cash. It will pay for an estimated 16,000 hours of overtime to be used for what the city describes as enhanced counterterrorism efforts, including additional police presence in the Oaklawn area. Now, Mark said, I'm proud to be able to help the city of Dallas. Dallas Mayor Mike Rawlings, who is another story in himself, said Cuban's action stands in contrast with the inaction of national politicians. In the wake of national tragedies, we often hear empty talk from politicians and other influencers. With this pledge, Mark shows he's a man of action who cares deeply about his fellow Dallasites, which I thought is really cool. Now, Police Chief David Brown kind of, I don't know, I kind of felt like, why, why? He said that the money will be primarily used to protect the LGBTQ community. We will earmark and track expenditures for these funds to ensure its effective use in creating a safe environment. I I mean, I appreciate it. That's great. And uh, it's a wonderful thing. And Mark can do anything he wants with his million bucks. I mean, I, you know, look, Mark, if you got another million laying around and you say, you know, I, geez, I wonder what I could do with it. You know what? I'll take it from you. Just give it to me and we'll be good. But I wish that the Dallas police chief, David Brown, would have said the money uh, is we're very thankful for the money. Uh, We can use it. These hours of overtime will be used to protect all of our communities better or protect the entire Dallas community better instead of just saying that the money will be used, primarily be used, to protect the LGBTQ community. Um, While I hope that the LGBTQ community is protected by the police, um, I think the entire community needs to be protected. Don't you? But anyway, thanks, Mark, for the million. And if you're just looking for what to do with another million dollars, I mean, I'm right here, Jeff. Fisher, Jeff Fisher. This is the Jeff Fisher Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. The experiment was a success. Begin Life Force Reboot Program. Now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. It is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride. Hour three. Hour three. Jim from uh, Minnesota uh, called before the top of the hour, and I wanted to get to him because we were talking a little bit about the transgender uh, uh, talk and the colleges that are uh, uh, now taking. If you feel like, if 
you are identifying as a woman, you can now go to All Women's College as long as you're identifying as a woman. And we talked a little bit about uh, uh, specifically earmarked money for the LGBTQ community. And Jim uh, called from Minnesota with a little bit of a transgender story. Jim, go ahead. Yeah, I was just calling in as far as, uh, uh, as you know, Target, of course, uh, we're one of the first ones to jump on board as far as uh, letting uh, men, uh, you know, who identify as women, uh, go into the not only the bathrooms, uh, you know, women's bathrooms, but as well as dressing room areas, you know, women's dressing room areas. Right. And uh, the pervs are really enjoying it because uh, apparently I was seeing a story in WND this morning that uh, in the state of Washington, Texas, and Massachusetts, that uh, pervs are using their phones and uh, taking pictures of girls pervs. undressing in their uh, in the dressing rooms, uh, you know, as far as uh, since they can go in their areas now. And uh, it's just well, sick that... to say. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're, go ahead. Now, this actually, do you have any children? Uh, yeah, I do, but they're grown up. My okay. daughter is 20, yeah, 26. Right. Yeah. But I really feel like this is more uh, embarrassing for the children than I, – I just don't know. This Look, the pervs, as you call it, as you so nicely call them, uh, are going to uh, be there no matter what, uh, no matter what. Uh, this is just giving the uh, pervs – the idea of that it's easier to you can't say hey what are you, why you can't go in there because they can say hey I'm identifying as a woman and you can't say anything to me I'm going in here, but at the time of the criminal act I mean that is still a criminal act so you can do something about it uh, you know you can't be right. filming people in the dressing rooms or the bathrooms I, I realize that it's a frustrating thing and I don't ever want to have to deal with it and if my you know my youngest daughter is nine and um, if she from now on I've talked about it on the air before I, I honestly you know she's getting bigger now and wants to use the you know go to the bathroom by herself and you know 95% of the time maybe even 99% of the time she's going to be fine I'm waiting right. right outside I can hear her joking around with the other ladies in the bathroom or whatever and, you know, it's okay. But yep. the other 1% or 5% of the time, right. I mean, I'm almost ready just to go in with her and say that I identify as a woman right now and just be with her so that nothing bad yep. happens. But you can't do that yeah. all the time. And also, no, and also, I don't know if you heard, too, that uh, Target's uh, stock price has dropped to like uh, 88 to 63 bucks because of the uh, there's a boycott the American Family Association is doing. And almost a million point four people have signed on to the boycott. And, yeah, I, uh, like I said, yeah, they're getting hurt. And they are. And thank you, Jim. I appreciate the call very much. Thank you. And I, and I did see that, and I also saw that there are, you know, some of the uh, uh, target stockholders are, uh, you know, trying to fight back, and the CEO is like uh, having none of none of it, and that's. Uh, you know, a little frustrating. I don't know that those all those numbers are exactly right on um, what they're losing and what they're coming down on. And if some of them, if some of those numbers would have happened anyway, I don't know if it all can be uh, pushed back to their trans uh, sweeping uh, mandate of allowing people to use whatever room they want as they're identifying as. I think it can probably. Um, I can tell you that. 
Uh, good. I, I'm all, all for uh, not, you know, if you don't want to go use the product or don't go to a store, don't. Um, I'm not signing the, the boycott thing, but if you want to sign it and be part of the boycott, you go ahead. Um, I personally have a hard time going into Target now and have not gone in since this happened, but maybe I wouldn't have gone in anyway. Um, and I have a feeling that when my wife says, we've got to go get something at Target. I know, I know, I know, but we've got to go. Um, I probably will give in. <laughs> Which means that I'll have to just use the restroom with my kids if they have to go. This is all there is to it. It's not a problem. Uh, uh, I'm identifying and I'm going in there and I'll be with my children and they'll be fine. And uh, that's the way we're going to do it. But, the you know, the pervs, uh, they're, they're all out there anyway. We're just making it a little bit easier for them to get access. But what they're doing is still illegal and still wrong. So they can still be um, still be prosecuted for that. It's not like uh, because they're identifying as a woman that they can go in the women's dressing room and film other women and other people who are identifying as women at the time uh, in any kind of state of undress. Uh, you know, they're not going to allow that to happen. So do I want it no do I want that to be the case no but that's can't we all just get along can't we all just get along please as we go through life things change you know that oh my gosh we just talked about changing bathrooms We've had so many things and go away and come and be invented. And I like to talk a lot about the future and things that are happening in the future. Uh, uh, robots, uh, DNA. Uh, things are happening with the DNA now that are unbelievable that we're learning. That uh, uh, Maybe I'll talk about it next week a little bit. Just fascinating. And there's some great things happening in technology that is unbelievable that I like to focus on on this broadcast because this stuff is here and it's coming. And if it's not here already, it's coming. And it's going to be unbelievable for us. I'm a huge fan of using any of that technology that we have. But it also means that things go away, right? I mean, things that we're used to, the staples. You know, I mean, 10 years ago, we had, what, blockbuster video stores everywhere, right? And now they're virtually all gone. I think they are all gone. Um, but there are a number of things that are going to be going away that you're going to say, wow, whatever happened to that? Like things you don't think about the plow. I mean, farming and the plow behind a trailer, behind a tractor is a staple, right? But the modern farmers have little use for it. According to, according to this, it provides deep tillage, turns up too much soil, encourages too much erosion. Uh, so, it releases, and, and the final straw, it releases more carbon dioxide into the air than other tillage methods. Oh, my God, we can't have that. So the plow is winding down its days. Uh, small or poor farms that can't afford new machinery, most U.S. cropland is now managed as no-till or minimum till, relying on herbicides and implements such as seed drills that work the ground with very little disturbance. So the plow will be gone soon. College textbooks. Gone. Have a nice day. I mean, libraries are going to be 
you know, I mean, college textbooks, by the they're going to be all digital formats for tablets uh, for kids in K through 12 and digital text. And, you know, they're going to have to try to find a way to sell more digital licenses, uh, semester, year-long usage of electronic books. Um, colleges are going to try to get together and collaborate with other institutions to develop their own content on digital models. I mean, it's going to be a... It's going to be a winding road. Everybody's trying to find their way to get through the process of being able to have what we have and still being able to earn some sort of living, uh, provide some sort of uh, goods and services, uh, you know, services for goods. That's what money is. And so it's going to, it's going to be a strange road uh, for that. The clutch pedal. And before I get to the clutch pedal, think what happens to the library, the standard library? Do we keep them as that's a library or we don't? We have maybe, you know, a state library that continues and we have maybe, you know, the city funds one library where books are actually there. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm just guessing. I mean, the state, li- the state libraries pretty much have to remain there, right? Because they have laws on the books. And the, the phrase, laws on the books, I mean, that's <laughs> laws on the tablets. Laws, you can download the law. Um, the state libraries are remarkable pieces of of. Remarkable buildings with so much knowledge. My aunt used to run one of the state college in Michigan in Lansing and the capital. And uh, it was just so cool. Oh, just go in there, all those books. Those books are, you know, they're done. Done. The clutch pedal. Every year it seems that an additional car model loses the manual transmission option. Even the Ford F-150 pickup truck can't be purchased with a stick anymore. Did you know that? The Ford F-150 pickup truck. That is unbelievable. I mean, I I knew, I, I don't know how many Ford pickup truck owners that, that, have, that are the stick. Unbelievable you can't get one like that. And how many of you can even drive a clutch anymore? Anybody probably under the age of 27, 28 maybe? Maybe even older than that. Can't drive a can't drive a stick. And if you can, it's a fluke thing because your dad, you know, drove a truck, you on a farm, you know, whatever. I mean, I know uh, my wife can't drive a stick. I t- tried a long time to get her to it's 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 unbelievable to me that people can't my son i don't think my oldest son i i believe i tried to teach him too as well cuz i i love driving a stick and it's i had uh, uh the one car i had when he was learning how to drive was this little four speed bmw i love that stupid little car but Nobody can, I mean, it was my car because nobody else could drive that darn thing. I love driving sticks. I've been driving sticks forever, but not anymore. Gone. 
Automatics are getting more efficient with up to nine gear ratios, allowing engines to run at the lowest, most economical speeds. Mazdas, BMWs score better fuel mileage with an automatic than a stick. High-performance cars, Porsches, automated manual shifts are taking hold. They do away with the clutch pedal and use electronics to control shifting instead. Shifting is faster and even more than even the talented clutch and stick jockey. Plus, the costs on these are coming down. And even the biggest highway trucks are abandoning the clutch and stick for automatics for fuel efficiency gains and to attract more drivers because nobody knows how to drive the stupid things. So we don't need to learn how to drive a stick anymore for anything. So there's still going to be some cars that sell it, uh, Ford Mustang, uh, Nissan Versa, and Ford Fiesta. And boy, who doesn't want to sit in a Nissan Versa and a Ford Fiesta? But those cars are uh, not fat guy seating. Uh, We'll continue to offer the traditional three-pedal arrangement for some years to come, which is, you know, good for them. And you probably are going to have to special order those bad boys. But the clutch is going, that's just Amazing that that's going away. It's dinosaur. But you know, I say that, and then I'm on. I'm on the same. On the flip side of that coin, I'm saying I can't wait till I have the driverless car, so I can just push home and I can sit back and uh, go home, and I don't have to worry about driving at all. So why do I care about a clutch? Why do I care about an accelerator or a brake? Why do I care about an ignition? I don't. I want to get in. I want to push home and sit back. And have this thing take me home, please. That's what I want. That's what I want. So it's no surprise that these things are going away. Because who needs them? Your neighborhood mailbox collection. And those are already starting to go. I mean, you drive by some of the post office now. And in the backyard of the post office, they've got the fenced-in area full of these damn mailboxes just sitting there. I wonder, And I was trying to think of something that we could uh, that you could do with them. You know, something that would be, you know, kind of retro would be kind of cool, and you could probably buy them. The post office definitely dying for money. They need a postmaster general that understands I'm willing to do the job for them. Um, I like the title postmaster general. Um, and I have some plans for them to make a little money uh, if, they need, uh, if they need me. Just call. I'm willing to help you out. But those are gone away. Um, the amount of people sending mail down 57% from 2004 to 2015 for stamped first class pieces 57%. The US Postal Service has been cutting back on the iconic blue collection boxes. The number has fallen by more than half since the mid 80s. Since it's uh, cost time and fuel for mail carriers to stop by each one, they monitor the usage if it doesn't seem enough traffic it's gone. Now they're still going to have uh, you're going to find find them in uh, greater foot traffic shopping centers, public transit stops, grocery stores, but uh, none in your neighborhood anymore. Have a nice day. Well, really, if you don't need them in your neighborhood, do you? I mean, the post office comes to your home, picks up your mail. Uh, if you have something to mail, use the post office. Walk out to the mailbox and put the flag up. Next time they come by, they'll pick it up. And I'm, I still, if you can think of something, that should be a, that's our prize for today. If you can think of what to do with the old mailboxes, old blue, let us know. We'll figure it out. If you could win a brand new, that's it. The incandescent light bulb, I don't know, that ticks me off so much. I didn't want to read that, but you know it's going away. And dial-up internet, going away, gone, goodbye. 
have a nice day. Does anyone use dial-up anymore? I mean, we have the you know we have the old joke standby of uh, what's her face the, from the Indian tribe worried about dial-up, but according to a study from Pew Foundation, three percent of U.S. households went online via a dial-up connection in 2013. Three percent, so almost no one. Some providers. Uh, continue to offer dial-up as an afterthought for those who can't or don't want to connect via cable or other broadband means. Number of bigger internet service providers quit signing up new dial-up subscribers all together. And of course, with dial-up goes away, goes your privacy. Your privacy is gone. You know that, right? I know you think you still have it. Oh, oh, that is funny. That is funny. You, you seriously, don't look at me like that. You know your privacy's gone, right? You know that, right? You don't? <laughs> oh, you, you've got to be kidding me. Because you know, privacy is long gone. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show is on. Mark in Maryland, you're on the broadcast. How are you, sir? Uh, doing pretty good. Good morning to you, Jeff Meister. Uh, yes, uh, I went ahead and uh, took out a revolving uh, line of credit at my credit union, paid off uh, a Target card. I owed over 4000 on it. And uh, just canceled the account, cut up the little pieces, and mailed it back at first class. That's a that's a that's an actually an interesting point. Thank you, Mark. You know, my wife said first right off the bat that uh, all the people all wound up about Target and uh, saying boycott, boycott. She wondered if they had actually uh, got rid of their credit cards because uh, you know, you, I mean, they're visas; you can use them anywhere. But Target is making the cash off of those, and that's a great point that uh, Mark Mark did himself. Yes, take get rid of the credit card, hit them where it hurts, and that's the pocketbook. No question about that. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Jeff Fisher. The animals have gone wild. I can't take it. This breaking story first, first. I mean, we had, look. We had the gorilla, right? And then maybe they're fighting back because of the dentist killing the lion in Africa. I don't know. Maybe they all talk. Maybe they've got some kind of animal cell service. But we, you know, we had the gorilla, and this, you know, in close proximity, we had the gorilla uh, get killed because uh, the kid fell in his into his his area. But still, you know, the he went crazy. We had the gator pull the little kid in. And now, news that a five-year-old Colorado boy is in fair condition after his mother saved him from a mountain lion attack Friday night. What? 
The boy's mother told deputies he was attacked that night while playing outside their home with his older brother. I wonder if there was a sign that he wasn't supposed to be playing in the backyard. Anyway, authorities were first notified of the attack about 8 p.m. The boy's father was driving him to the hospital. Uh, alerted by her son's screams, the mother ran outside and saw the lion on her son. She had to physically remove the lion's paws from her son's face. The boy was injured on his face, head, and neck, and his mother received minor injuries on her hand and legs. You no kidding. And the mountain lion is now dead because the mother choked it to death. No, I don't know that to be true. The boy was transferred to fair condition to Denver Hospital. The mother's been released. Uh, toddler survives nearly 14 hours in car submerged in icy Utah River. Is a video below within this story. Oh, my God. I didn't even. What the heck? Soon after interviewing the family, Friday night authorities returned to the family's home where they found a mountain lion in the front yard. The lion was killed by a U.S. Forest Service officer. State officials will examine the lion to work to find a second lion also reported in the area earlier that day. Couldn't have been the same one. I mean, was this lion a different kind of lion? Though mountain lion attacks are rare, uh, the number of encounters between humans and lions have recently been increasing. Yeah, because animals have gone crazy. Including an increase in deer. Because people are all wound up about people going deer hunting, so we've got to let more live. And more people moving into lion habitat. (gasps) They're fighting back. Humans moving into their habitat. Yep, that's what we do. We're humans. You're an animal. We win. That's the way it goes. So many more stories to get to. Well, good for mom. Actually, good for mom. And and good, look, this one worked out well. Uh, You know, right? This one came out on the right side. Uh, Wild animal attacks the little kid. Uh, Parent hears it, runs out does whatever it has to do to help the child and is able to actually fend off the wild animal and save the kid. Uh, right? I mean, that's tremendous. Look, there's little, those little uh, Florida panthers and those little Florida, whatever the heck they're called when I was in Florida, they used to attack humans all the time. Some guy come out of his house and he was attacked by this little thing running around. Yeah, be careful. Those mountain lions don't mess around. I'm messing around. You're in my habitat. I'm the mountain lion. Plus, you might be related to that dentist who killed my sister in Africa. <laughs> Good for them. Good for them, man. I'm telling you, that is a dangerous thing. I would have been hard-pressed. I mean, you're trying to save the kid and get just get the line off your kid. Uh, no question. And you, you want to, you know, get the, you're fighting. Obviously, mom was fighting to get the claws out of the face of the kid. But, uh, man, I'd have been hard-pressed not to try to uh, kill that lion myself. But then you wouldn't be worried about your child, would you, Jeff? No, you wouldn't. Okay, so much more to get to. My gosh, we've got stories uh, abounding. Uh, we've got the Naked Restaurant in London opening, agonizing, really. Come on now. I mean, I know we go to the nude beaches and we have the little restaurant eating areas and everything, but we really want to be at the Naked, you know, the naked Restaurant. And look, of course, you know, it's not the Naked Restaurant. Clothing is optional. Uh Uh-huh. 
And, uh, you know, technology is strictly forbidden. Uh-huh. So, it's got a waiting list, though. Waiting list of, according to the owner, 46,000 are on the waiting list to come to London's first naked restaurant. Technology, strictly forbidden. Uh-huh. Except for the video promoting it with the naked couple at the table. But that's not technology that filmed that, right? Right. Of course. And we've got, uh, you know, big news for the blind. Uh, Pornhub uh, is now uh, making porn for the blind. Uh, they're just going over and putting audio over their porn videos that they've already got on their site so that the blind can experience what's happening on the screen as they are there. Congratulations. Congratulations. Hey, it's Father's Day. It's Father's Day this weekend. And I, we could, I was going to go down a list of a bunch of ga- gifts that you can get and stuff. You know what to get your dad. You know. You know whatever he wants. You know what he likes. Get him something that he likes. And, and you know, the reason that it's the joke about the tie and everything, but really the reason that the kids get the tie is because they want to see dad wear it. So get him a pair of shoes or... Get him something that you know you're going to see him every now and then. You go, you know, that's the, sh- that's the shoes that that Bobby gave me. Okay, great. Uh, you know, something, something useful, a toaster. Tremendous Father's Day gift, right? A brand new toaster, four slice toaster, wide wide holes for bagels, the bagel push button, good heating element. Make that toast toast. And you also want an easy access cleaning tray at the bottom. I'm selling toasters now. I go to Home Shopping and sell you this brand new toaster, and it's got an easy access cleaning tray. Turn it around and slide it out. Bang it into the sink and slide it right back in, and your cleaning tray is there. And it's easily clean. This new toaster, they're going fast. Only 8000 left at $49.92. I know it sounds expensive for a toaster, but not for this toaster, honey. Okay? This toaster is worth every damn penny. We got, uh, I was going through the story, going through uh, headlines uh, of what, uh, you know, what to talk to you about today. And uh, we, had, we had guns and everything, but we never really, and then I come across, is sex addiction real? And, you know, the joke, of course, is, yeah, so isn't everybody addicted to that? Well, I don't know, but there's plenty of celebrities who have admitted they're sex addicts. Tiger Woods, Russell Brand, who I don't know, oh, he may be addicted to sex, but I don't know why anyone would want to have sex with Russell. Colin Farrell, Kanye West, Rob Lowe, all addicted to sex and drugs. They've been to rehab. Sexual rehab. Uh, I might have fallen through, though. It's a tough one. Uh, Karen Ann Panesh, another female sex addict, uh, Miss Oregon, was in Playboy in 04. She was uh, caught naked in a home movie that was leaked online. Uh-huh. Uh, 
She entered rehab, but not for sex addiction. She had to get off the meth. <laughs> I see a little trend. It might not necessarily be the whole sexual addiction that they need to be worrying about. And I love the Charlie Sheen story, uh, who is on this list, by the way, of sex-addicted stars. Um, along with David Duchovny, Jesse James, uh, the uh, ex of Sandra Bullock and Michael Douglas. You know the Michael Douglas story. Uh, why you got throat cancer, right? Yeah, you know. Uh, but Charlie Sheen, who's on this list, uh, tells a story about his uh, gift that he got from Donald Trump and why he thinks that Donald Trump is a charlatan. Now, the bad thing about this story is that Charlie, you know, obviously wants cankles, and that's just unacceptable. But, his story about Donald Trump is proof positive of what we've been saying about Donald Trump all along. Uh, that he is not who he proclaims to be. He is just a charlatan. And his story, Charlie Sheen's story, is that uh, he was having dinner and uh, Trump was there. And he was just before he was getting married and he gave him some Trump cufflinks. And uh, pretty much forced Charlie to keep them. Charlie was like, no, no, no. And uh, he's not nah, keep them. They're beautiful. They're for you. They're wonderful. Congratulations. You're wonderful. It's a beautiful thing. And uh, keep them, keep them, keep them. And then Charlie had them uh, appraised. And they were worth diddly squat. Uh, they were just fake. Uh, with, uh, you know, Trump on them. So Trump probably had, you know, 10,000 of them made. And he just goes around giving them away. Has little gifts to, you know, walks through a crowd and says, hey, have some Trump cufflinks. It's like the Rodney Dangerfield character in uh, Back to School where he's giving away pens and pencils of the fat guy. Hey, I have a pen. I have a pen. I have a pen. Here's a pencil. I need a pen. Uh, just giving away stuff uh, from the fat guy store, the fat and tall or big and big and fat. But uh, that's Donald Trump, your presidential candidate for the Republican Party. Soon to be uh, nominated at the Republican convention going on in Cleveland, Ohio. Congratulations. That's what you get. And, of course, he's just one of you, and he's proud, and he's mad, and he's angry, and he's not a politician at all. And he goes around calling the, the terrorist son of a bitches. And he's proud and wants him shot right between the eyes. And it would be a beautiful thing to see somebody laying there with a bullet right between their, right between their eyes. And he's just a good guy. He's going to fight for you. He's not inside the inner circle of Washington. Uh-huh. Hey, want some cufflinks? No, they say Trump on them, and they look like they're really expensive. So just don't have them appraised or anything. Just walk around with them on and advertise for me. This is The Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Jeff Fisher Show. Welcome to it. 
888-900-3393 is the phone number as we wrap up day one of live 9 to noon. Jeff Fisher broadcast on the Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo coming up immediately after this broadcast. In honor of Alaska bailing out Obamacare. In honor of many of you that are being taxed for not having health care coverage. In honor of those of you who have health care coverage with a deductible you'll probably never be able to meet. This plan was sent to me on Facebook. You may want to try to implement it. Uh, Good luck. No nursing home for us. We'll be checking into a Holiday Inn. With the average cost of a nursing home care costing $188 a day, there's a better way when we get old and too feeble. I've already checked on reservations at the Holiday Inn. For a combined long-term stay... Discount and senior discount, it's fifty nine twenty three a night. Breakfast included, and some have happy hours in the afternoon. That leaves one hundred and twenty eight seventy seven a day for lunch and dinner in any restaurant we want, or room service, laundry, gratuities, and special TV movies. Plus, they provide a spa, swimming pool, a workout room, a lounge, a washer and dryer. Most have free toothpaste and razors, and all have free shampoo and soap. $5 worth of tips a day, and you'll have the entire staff scrambling to help you. They treat you like a customer, not a patient. There's a city bus stop out front, and seniors ride free. The handicapped bus will also pick you up. If you fake a decent limp, they'll pick you up quicker. To meet the other nice people, call a church bus on Sundays. For a change of scenery, take the airport shuttle bus and eat one of the nice restaurants there. While you're at the airport, fly somewhere. Otherwise, the cash keeps building up. It takes months to get into decent nursing homes. Holiday Inn will take your reservation today. If you're not stuck in one place forever, you can move from inn to inn or even from city to city. Want to see Hawaii? They have Holiday Inn there, too. TV broken? Light bulbs need changing? Need a mattress replaced? No problem. They fix everything and apologize for the inconvenience. The inn has a night security person, a daily room service, Made checks to see if you're okay. If not, they'll call an ambulance or the undertaker. If you fall and break a hip, Medicare will pay for the hip. Holiday Inn will upgrade you to a suite for the rest of your life. And no worries about visits from family. They'll always be glad to find you and probably check in for a few days' mini vacation. The grandkids can use the pool. What more could I ask for? So when I reach the golden age, I'm going to face it with a grin. So good luck. Good luck if you want to implement that. It sounded like something well worth the trouble. Happy Father's Day tomorrow. Hope you get what you wanted. Hope you, you know, if you just make the kids draw you a card. Give them a hug. That's all you really need for Father's Day, isn't it? Of course it is. And... Be sure that you look around. Tell somebody, hey, ask them when you're out. Anybody ever tell you you look good today? And probably they're going to say, right, no, no, they haven't. Well, you do. Doggone it. You look great. And then as you're walking away, you can say, you're not going to wear that thing all day, though, are you? This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.